When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Everybody just calm down. Everybody settle down before you're ready to throw all your dirt on the Miami Heat. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Christopher Tatum, Canty, good morning. I'm just wondering if Jimmy Butler is still singing Alicia Keys. Is everything going to be all right? I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. And we will get to it all throughout the course of the show. Man, we have got a jam-packed couple of hours, so let's not waste any time. Here we go! Only one place to start. Jason Payne right down the middle of the paint. Throws it down. It started on defense. We had uh, set the intensity, and we came out and we played good basketball tonight. White, he shoots for three at the buzzer, and he hits! Down 3-0. Nobody thought we could, you know, we were going to win. The Boston Celtics, give them credit. They have fought their way back last night. It was clearly over early. Oh, you're finally ready to give them credit. Because after that one game four, you're like, yay, we did it. There was so much sarcasm in your voice. It was not sarcasm. No, there was sarcasm. It was was a snarky remark after they staved off elimination in game four. Let's call it what it is. It wasn't sarcasm. It was snark. It was more snark than anything. Because I'm not going to jump up and down for a team winning one game. I give them credit. What about for a team winning consecutive elimination games? They They go home. They blew the team out that was shorthanded as they should, and that's exactly what happened. And good for the Celtics, as the number two seed in the East actually back in the series that they should have been in in the first place, but found themselves back three games to none. So now they are on their way back. But at the moment, do you now believe that all of a sudden things have changed and the Boston Celtics are going to make history being the first team in 151 to ever come back from a 3-0 deficit and win a playoff series. I think there's a damn good chance of that happening. I really the do. question. Are I they really going to happen or not? Well, here's what I'll say. Game six is like game seven for the Miami Heat because the last situation they want to be in is going back for game seven in TD Garden. We see how that worked out for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I'm in no way, shape, or form trying to frame this Miami Heat team like the team that was led by James Hard, Joel Embiid, and Doc Rivers. But I will say this. If we're looking at the two teams from a talent standpoint, Boston has more. If both of these teams play at their best, Boston is going to win that game. And last night, we saw Boston beat Miami from pillar to post. They led wire to wire in that game, and it started with their defense on the first possession of the game. Al Horford doesn't even jump on the opening tip. They let Bam out of bio on the Miami Heat control it. What happens? Marcus Smart gets a strip in the paint that leads to a runout that leads to points. It started with their defense, the intensity on that side of the ball, and it led to easy opportunities on offense. Even Joe Mazzulla talked about it in the post game. They got the two-on-one situations that they were looking for in transition, and those guys were making the right reads. For Boston, so much of what they do on the offensive end is predicated on them being able to make the right reads, and this team makes those decisions 
they, they, they're a lot clearer in terms of where they want to go with the basketball when they're playing with pace, and we saw that last night. Well, it's something that they haven't, frankly, done throughout the postseason, and I know what the numbers said during the regular season, but let's be clear, there has not been a massive stress on defense for the Boston Celtics, and you're not the only one who feels that way from last night. Here's Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA Insider, last night with SVP. We got ourselves a series here because for the first time, I kind of feel like the Heat don't think they've got it totally under control. You know, Eric Spolstra got the team together after the game in the locker room and said, hey, let this sting for a while, marinate in it a little bit. That's not a message he's had to give in a while. And really what's been a big difference here is the energy level. The Heat were not able to match the Celtics' energy level. Again, that's not something we've seen and been able to say before in this series. And while we can look at the three-point shooting, we know that's important and that obviously is a huge key for the Celtics, I want you to look at the Heat's scores the last two games, both times under 100. They put up 128 on the Celtics in Game 3. That, they, they, the Heat were moving with ease and everything. The difference in these last two games, the, diff, the, the level of effort defensively from Boston, and they have really focused on Bam Adebayo. He has averaged only 13 points over the last three games. That's where the Heat are going to have to make an adjustment. And I give the Celtics credit. They have upped their defense, and that certainly helped from last night. I'm not just going to blow past the whole shooting thing, though, because... Let's be clear about what Boston does. They're a three-point shooting team. It is where they are, uh, have lived all season long. And frankly, when we saw them in the first three games, they didn't make shots. The last two games, they made shots. What do you know? Shocker. You shoot 40% from three, you can win games. And that's what's happened the last two games. The defense has led to that. Uh, the defense has led to more open looks. There was good ball movement last night, but as much as we have sat here and said this is not your typical eight-seed Miami Heat, they are very thin right now, and they are they are missing Gabe Vincent, who is a shooter. I think this is a team that has shown time and again what their grit and what their culture was about. Are we all just going to forget about those two stupid words that we have been talking about for months in heat culture. So that's now all out the window as they go back to Miami. No, it's not all out the window. And Gabe Vincent is more than just a knockdown shooter. He's a huge playmaker for the Miami Heat on offense, especially in half-court situations. And they missed, they missed that aspect yep. of it last night. Yep. Conversely, though, when we start talking about the Boston Celtics, I thought that they were in much better position because they didn't allow the Miami Heat to set their defense. Now, why did that happen? Because the Miami Heat were playing on their heels the entire night the Boston Celtics were getting opportunities in transition because they made stops on defense. They had 16 turnovers lead to 27 points for them last night. Again, 13 of those were live ball turnovers. That was the second most live ball turnovers for any game for the Miami Heat this season, regular season or postseason. It's impressive when you can make a team play outside of themselves the way that Boston did to Miami last night. And that's essentially what we've seen in this series for the last six quarters. Now, I think a big factor in that is the Boston Celtics collectively playing really good defense on Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is the head of the snake for the Miami offense, especially in the half court. Mm-hmm. They have found ways to frustrate Jimmy Butler, including putting Robert Williams on him. Mm-hmm. And his length, his ability to be able to stifle Jimmy Butler, not jumping up for the head fakes and all of those different things, I think that has slowed the Miami heat down a little bit. And that only gets exacerbated when you don't have a Gabe Vincent on the court. Now, the guy that's got to step up is Bam Adebayo. And last night, 
he, he, he was the opposite of that. I mean, the guy was a liability on the offensive end, and he's the other all-star on that team that's got to be a playmaker. And even when he gets blitzed in the paint, make the right reads and kick the ball to the open shooters. Let Max Struess, let Kayla Martin knock down shots. Bam didn't do that last night. And those six turnovers really, really hurt the Miami Heat. Captain Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance. So, where do we stand right now? Here's Jason Tatum after the game on TNT with Roz Gold on Wude. Pressure on them, right? We down 3 0. Nobody thought we should, you know, we were going to win. So, we playing free, playing confident. Uh, you know, we're ready to go down Miami. So, if the pressure is now on the Miami Heat, which there's no doubt, there is more pressure on them now than there was after uh, just a one-win uh, series for the Celtics. Does anybody really think that the Miami Heat are not going to be comfortable in that? Are not going to be comfortable in that level of chaos? You be around coaches, this is something they want. They want their teams to be comfortable in these situations. And this is what the Heat have been about for a long time. This is what they've always tried to instill. So, for me... Uh, yeah, the pressure may be on them, but in no way do I look at them and think that's a team that's going to wilt under pressure. I, frankly, I, I felt more based on what I've seen throughout the course of the series and the postseason that the Celtics would be a team that would wilt under more pressure. Right now, while the dynamic of the series has shifted, I don't think the Heat are going to wilt under that. Well, they could not wilt under pressure and still lose the series because Boston, from a talent standpoint, has more. Boston, from a talent standpoint, has had more the entire series, and they fell back. But they haven't played like. But they haven't played like it. They haven't played like it. Like collectively, they haven't been the best team. That has been the Miami Heat. That's why they're up three two going into game six. We talked about the EKG with Anthony Davis, Chris. The EKG has been there with the Boston Celtics all postseason. They hadn't been there the last six quarters. They've been pretty damn consistent. And the Miami Heat haven't been able to counterpunch. We're still waiting on the Miami Heat to get off the mat from what they got hit with starting at halftime in Game 4. They haven't. It was that 18-9 run in the third quarter in Game 4, and the Miami Heat have dominated this series since that point. I, I'm just Listen, I don't know how you can talk about Eric Spolstra having the Heat comfortable in these situations when the Boston Celtics under Joe Mazzulla during these playoffs are 4-0 in elimination games. They're 4-0. They won the final two games of the Sixers series facing elimination, and they've won the last two games in this series facing elimination. Why, why are we expecting that we're going to get the lesser version of the Boston Celtics, the team that we saw early in the series, when they've shown us the last two games that they've turned it up a notch? Why are we expecting that we're not going to see a better version of the Miami Heat returning home, especially when you hear Wendy talk about he wants his team to marinate in what this felt like. He wants to tick off his team. He wants his team... Angry. You, you, can, you can. They weren't angry after game four, having to get on a plane and go to Boston? You weren't angry after that? I don't think they're angry like, after game four like they are now. I, I don't think they're angry like they are now. And frankly, we can talk about the Celtics going down there and playing well. That's fine. I, I expect it to not be what we saw in the first three games of the series, given the greater confidence that they have all of a sudden. But I've seen it ride up and down all postseason long. And until I see a flat line of consistency with Boston at a high level, I'm not going to believe in their consistently, uh, consistency ability. I am, I, game seven would be amazing to have on Monday. It would be amazing to have. 
I don't you know, know who's also thing. rooting for Game Seven. The Denver Nuggets. Oh no <laughs> the, doubt. The Denver Nuggets are like the Denver Nuggets want this series go to go Boston. nine. <laughs> let's go Boston. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kenji and Carlin on ESPN Radio in for a greeny. What if quarterbacks completed four out of five passes? Well, you can play at that level with ZipRecruiter because four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. We are just getting rolling. As we said, playoff Jimmy has been a little bit quieter the last couple of games. What's happened to him? We ask our analysts next. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. So there is life in Boston. Oh, good. Can't you, Carlin, on ESPN Radio, in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. You realize how difficult of a series this is for me to root for either team. Why do you say that? Because I don't really particularly care for Boston all that much, because their fans are a little tough to take. And you're bored with how Miami wins games. And, and no, it, well, they also ruin basketball for the most part during the course of the season. It's actually been a little more pleasurable to watch during the post. Tell me I'm wrong. You I'd rather wrong. watch somebody throw rocks than watch the Heat no, play basketball. No, first of all, playoff Jimmy Butler is one of the true spectacles. Yes. One of the seven wonders of the NBA. I will agree. Yes. I will agree with yeah, that. Yeah, there's no question about it. But so I, I enjoy but also, watching the Miami Heat play here, Here's where hatred or um, not rooting for a team stems from. What's up? Uh, the level of arrogance and obnoxiousness that a fan base can reach. And the Miami Heat, when they start to excel, they come out of the woodwork. Like, they forgot all season long that there was a basketball team down there. And then you start, like, they had left them for dead. Oh, they're in the play-in. Oh, dear God, they lost the play-in. Oh, they're done, whatever. And, oh, no, I knew all along. Here we are. So this is where it stems from. Well, the reason why you're annoyed is because the Miami Heat are always playing basketball this time of year. They've been in the conference finals three of the last four years, and they got an NBA finals appearance in that span. Mm -hmm. So that's why you're annoyed by the Heat fan base. Yes. Because the style of play that you're forced to watch because the Heat routinely go on deep playoff runs continues to agitate you. It does. 
No, it does. If you're dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery testing, uh, free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. Their free battery testing can help you know if you need a new battery or not, or if you're in need of a fresh charge. And if you do happen to need a replacement battery, they can help with that too. They've got reliable replacement batteries starting at just $79.99, and they're the only place you can find proven tough Duralast batteries. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution and America's number one battery destination. Speaking of replacements, Haywood Highsmith for the Miami Heat. I heard his name a little too much last night. I'm I'm just saying, like, this is is not a guy that's been playing a lot of minutes in the postseason, filling in for Gabe Vincent. He gave him solid minutes now. He was knocking down some yes. shots. Yes, but when I look down and I see number 24 and I'm like, who's that again? You know, you're not, a problem. In, you know you're not in good shape. When Haywood Highsmith outscores Jimmy Butler. Yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> that is a problem. Jimmy was minus 24 last night in that game. He had a bad night. Minus 24. It was, it was MIA for Jimmy. Well, last it was a night. bad second half in game four, and mm-hmm. then he had a bad night overall in game five. I, I just, I wonder. If Joe Mazzula and the Boston Celtics have figured out something when it comes to Jimmy Butler. Listen, if they keep giving him these different looks, and you talked about Robert Williams being on him, I I give them credit for what they're doing defensively. But I think we can both agree that throughout the postseason, you haven't heard Joe Mazzula talk about defense very much. No, no. He has been much more focused on their offense, and frankly, uh, as opposed to playing great defense and getting out in transition, the fact that... We need to make shots when we get out and transition and create it. Well, here's the thing, and Charles Barkley talked about this a little bit last night on Inside the NBA. He says nobody shows up to the arena saying, I'm going to play good defense. Everybody shows up thinking that they're going to impact the game on the offensive end. So getting everybody on the team to dial in on that facet of the game is a task. And Joe yeah. Mazzula has gotten his team to flip a switch. Now, you could argue whether or not it's too late. We'll see what happens with the rest of the series. But the fact that they did dial it up, I don't know. I, I, I think it now starts to seriously bring into question whether or not Boston can be the first team to overcome a 3-0 deficit in a best-of-seven series. Here's the thing. Last night, Boston became the first team to have 12-plus steals and 12-plus made threes in one game in the postseason. The first team in NBA history. They've been playing basketball in the association for a long damn time, and Boston was the first team to do it. It starts on the defensive end, And then because the Miami Heat couldn't set their half-court defense, Boston did a great job of sharing the basketball, putting pressure on them that way. Jason Tatum had 11 assists, but I can't count the number of hockey assists he had last night in being able to swing the ball from side to side and get open looks from distance. And they were knocking them down. Derek White and Marcus Smart combined 10 of 14 from three-point range. Derek White, playoff career high 24 points. Mm -hmm. If those two guys can step up and continue to contribute throughout the series and make open shots, then Boston going to win this series. There's something we're not quite talking about enough when it comes to the Heat. Mm. We'll tell you that at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We'll talk about that in 20 seconds. Want you to get on the lines right now. Lines are open. Are the Celtics now, in your estimation, going to win this series? Is all the pressure on the Heat? 
or is it much ado about nothing? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Make sure your family is well taken care of with life insurance. Protect your phones, laptops, and more with electronic device insurance. And cover your furry friends with pet health insurance. Canty, uh, I, I look at this, and I look at the defense of the Miami Heat last night, and I was exceptionally disappointed. Mm. Every time I looked up, and it wasn't just because of transition. Every time I looked up, somebody's open. Now, part of it is great ball movement. Celtics did that last night for the first time in a while. But let's be clear. Well, no, they did that in game four, too. Remember, game four, they had 28 assists on 43 made baskets. Mm-hmm. Last night, they had 23 assists on 40 made baskets. Uh, last night, it, maybe I should put it this way. It felt crisper for whatever reason. Maybe okay. it's just because it looked better All right. um, aesthetically. Uh, because there were a couple of times where you'd look up and some of the passes that Tatum and a couple of other guys were making were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, the defense of the Heat is supposed to be the staple. It's supposed to be the staple, and I was exceptionally disappointed with the fact that that defense did not show up last night and, frankly, was subpar in Game 4. Well, I mean, when you're not playing well on offense, when you're not getting that rhythm down, when you're not in the flow of the game in that regard, then you're going to struggle on the defensive end. That's just what it is. I mean, when you're not making shots, when you're struggling to get your shots in your spots – then defensively you might not have the same energy level. And I thought that Boston did a great job of keeping Miami off balance. But when we start talking about what the rest of the series is going to look like, what game six and potentially game seven is going to look like, I got to say this, big fella, I feel good about where Boston is. I feel good about where Boston is. And if you look at what Vegas is saying about this series, it's damn near even money. Think about it. Going into game four. Boston was plus 750 to win the series. Miami was minus 1250. Now, Miami is plus 135 and Boston is minus 115. It's incredible what Vegas is saying about this series. I'm surprised that Boston isn't favored. Let's bring in Alan Hahn of Barton Hahn on 98.7 ESPN in New York, who joins us right now on the phone. Okay, what do you look at last night and attribute... What has happened the last two games in particular, Alan, as to why we are now back headed for a game six in Miami? Yeah, I, I hate doing this, especially at this level of the sport. But it, it and I've, I've, I've texted scouts, I've texted coaches around the league because I was asking, I'm like, I'm not going to go on national TV and say this if it's moronic. But they all kind of shrugged the same answer make or miss. It's as simple as. Boston has this rule. If they shoot over 40%, they're almost unbeatable. And in the playoffs, they're 9-1. and one. I believe now in the regular season also, it's like 37-2. and two. Like, they are just unbeatable when they shoot 40% from three or better. They make 15 threes. They are doing that these last two games. In the first three games of the series, they shot under 30%. And they were minus 39 from three-point range in those first three games. In these last two games, plus 51. So there's your difference. The three-point line is the story. And it's not just the offense. It's that Boston is that team. They are such a moody team that if their threes are falling, all of a sudden their defense gets better. There's no way to quantify it, guys. But when you're watching, you just see a different team. Three 
extra effort on the boards, extra effort. You're flying around defensively because you're feeling good. That's a huge part of what's flipped this series so far in the last two games. Alan, the last six quarters of this series, Miami has played subpar basketball on both ends of the court. And we know on offense, it starts with Jimmy Butler. He's the head of the snake. Like, diving into the X's yeah. and O's and the adjustments that Joe Mazzulla made, I mean, we've seen a couple of times across Game 4 and Game 5 Robert Williams be on coverage on Jimmy Butler. But what are some of the specifics in terms yeah. of what Joe Mazzulla has done to get Jimmy Butler off balance on the offensive end? No, it's a great, well, it's a great observation, CC, because that's what we're seeing is Jimmy Butler doesn't like to – he's not a three-point shooter. You know, a lot of guards in the league that are great scorers – generally have that dangerous step back. I mean, look at, you know, get Jamal Murray, great example already. But we see that from a lot of guys is you get them in pick and roll and you've got to, you can't play drop coverage because they'll step back and bang a three and now you got, they're hot from downtown. Jimmy's not that guy unless he's in God mode, which we saw against the Bucks, And then he was just making threes that he normally doesn't make. So what they've decided to do, first and foremost, the adjustment was to stop making adjustments. Here's what I mean. They made the silly adjustment of playing both their bigs in the starting five with Time Lord and Al Horford together. Didn't make sense. Bad matchup, bad idea. He scrapped that, went back to the traditional lineup, and that's the one that works. And also, speaking of Al Horford and Time Lord, he has put both of those guys around Jimmy Butler. And at points, if there's a switch, they're very comfortable with those guys taking that switch. No problem at all. And I think that's also a huge part of this. Because Jimmy is not going to beat you from downtown. You're going to dare him to do that. He wants to get into the paint. Huge stat from game five. Jimmy Butler in the first four games of the series is averaging 20 drives. Get in contact. That's where he does his best work. He only had 10 drives against the Boston defense in game five. They limited him. They cut it in half. They're making him a perimeter player. That's the adjustment. Alan Hahn of Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio, joining Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. Of course, MSG Networks, you saw him get up this morning. Hahn, uh, what about now going back to Miami? And We talk constantly about where the pressure shifts back and forth. Um, when you look at the heat, does this appear to be a team right now, shorthanded as they are, that will be bothered by that, considering... When we talk about hip heat culture all the time, it's how comfortable they usually are in adverse situations. Yeah, and that's, you know, I do think this is one of those, you know, put up or shut up moments. This is their game seven. This is the pressure. <clears throat> Excuse me. And how much pressure have they really faced here in this playoff run? When have they ever been up against it? When have they ever been in a position where they were told must win? They haven't had that this year. So, that's a, a little bit of a test for them, no doubt about it. But usually when Jimmy Butler is I mean, I would argue test, the play-in generally, game. The one thing I would say is I would argue the well, play-in game when they're yeah. down five late to yeah. stay alive. Okay, all right. There, there's your argument then. That, that was the one survival mode that they had to have after losing uh, their first play-in game, which is, again, why yeah. I was going to this. When do they turn back into a pumpkin, boys? You know, to use the Cinderella yeah. pun, right? A pumpkin. This is this playoff run for them. This is not who they've been. The regular season, they were a, a, they were the worst offense in the league, yep. and they were bottom third in the league in three point shooting. Yet in the playoffs, 
they're a forty percent shooting team, and their offense at times has been unstoppable. So when did they go back to being who they are? And is this that moment that it's finally starting to happen? You know, it's funny, Alan. I've been I making that point. Of, they're wondering. The, it's funny, Alan. I've been making that same point during the first two series, and I almost got tired of yeah. waiting for them to turn back into a pumpkin. Yes. They, I felt like that, you know, Chris, I felt like that against the Knicks. In that Knicks series, I kept saying the same thing, that this isn't who they are. When do you just trust that the numbers will finally catch up to them? It didn't there, and then three games into the Boston series, it wasn't. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe this is who they really are. It just took them all season to get here. We'll find out Saturday night. But they now feel all the pressure. There's no question about it. It's, it's, to me, it's going to be all about Jimmy Butler. Because he did not show up aggressive last night in Boston. And they're going to be looking for him early in the game to set the tone like Jason Tatum did last night for the Celtics. Allen, over the last two series, Joe Mazzula is 4-0 and facing elimination. Just curious from your perspective, how significant was that win last night at TD Garden for him? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, we don't know if they were out in a sweep or a gentleman's sweep even. Is that Would there be whispers about this team needs a new head coach and you know, would they be talking about it? But while we are, you know, everybody you talk to that has insider information, we've got some really good people inside here on ESPN who are insiders. I mean, they, they, they're plugged in. And anybody that I've talked to about that, they all have that same reaction. That Brad Stevens, who's obviously moved from coach to the front office, has a, a firm belief in Joe Mazzula as a head coach. And even Eric Spolster has talked about this, not directly about Missoula, but more about coaching in general, is that, you know, you can develop a coach too. You know, you can, there are players that you live through mistakes and let them learn as they go. We don't do that with coaches. We just get rid of them and get new ones. I have a feeling that Brad Stevens sees Joe Missoula as a coach who has great potential and they might have to just work him through. You know, they might have to coach up the coach, if that makes any sense. There's a strong belief in Joe Missoula in Boston, and I think, though, it makes it easier for them now to sell the idea of keeping him around to media and fans because they have at least pushed back and didn't whimper out of the playoffs. And, Alan, what do those last two wins do for Joe Missoula in terms of credibility in the locker room with his players? I See, again, I, I, I think from the outside there was a credibility issue with Missoula. I don't believe there was – one from on the inside, when you talk to Marcus Smart, when you hear from Jalen Brown, when you hear from some of the players who have spoken about it publicly, they, they have, there's never been that hint. There always is when, you know, when a coach doesn't have the room, you can tell. Now, when a team's not prepared to play like game three, that is definitely on the coach. But when the players respond the way they did in game four and then give you what they gave you in game five at home, it kind of lets you know that there is a belief in there, and I don't think this is a group that was turning or tuning out their coach. I just think this is who Boston has been and why Ime Odoka had to, be, had to drive them so hard like he did last year, publicly calling them out and things like that, because they need that. They're not a team you can let them take it easy because they'll go into cruise control quickly. I had a scout tell me today that Boston, without winning anything, almost looks bored sometimes. It's like the Warriors never looked bored, right, during their run of winning championships, which is remarkable. But he said, like, Boston, sometimes they just look bored because they know they're so good. Alan, great stuff as usual, brother. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend and the rest of this series. 
Thanks, boys. Good to talk to you. Greeny, the podcast. Have one question for Chris Canty on the NFL. That in just 30 seconds. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio in for Greeny. We're presented by Progressive Insurance last night. Yes, in the zone was Derek White, 6 of 8 from 3, 24 points for the Celtics. In the zone, brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. I have only one question. We have only one question, Chris Canty, but it is in six parts. It's actually the same question for six different teams right now. Is that right? And it all has to do, well, uh, yeah, that is right, because you you were the one who came up with the idea. Mm -hmm. It was the six different offensive coordinators now working with six top quarterbacks in the league. There you go. All right. I don't know if it's six top quarterbacks, though. Uh, it's not. As I just no, looked no, at the, Notable quarterbacks. That's why I just hesitated when I said top. I looked down and I see who's on the top of the list, Mac Jones. Okay. So let's go there first. Canty, the effect of Bill O'Brien on Mac Jones. What version of Mac Jones will we see? Well, he's going to be better than 2022, right? It can't be worse. Think about it. I mean, Matt Patricia, a guy that made his name in this league as a defensive play caller, was thrust into this role as the OC, and then they did this funky thing with co-coordinators in the spring during OTAs and minicamp with him and Joe Judge. That turned out to be an abject disaster. And so Bill O'Brien stepping in gives credibility on that side of the ball to what the Patriots want to do. I think the key for Billy O is finding easy completions for Mac Jones, and then when you do want to take shots downfield, be able to do so through chunk plays and play-action passing. I think they've got to be able to establish the line of scrimmage and running the football in order to take advantage of that. Something that hasn't been a problem since Mac has been there, but they got to find a way to create explosives down the field. I think play-action passing is the, do, the way to do that. But also, find easy completions for Mac Jones with, throughout the normal course of the offense. But I do think he's going to have a profound impact on Mac Jones this season. I'm going to say this, and I know it's going to sound like a hot take. The AFC East is a four-team race. Wow. It's a four-team race. Hot take. It's a four-team race. All right. All right. Can Sean Payton resurrect Russell Wilson? Eight ball says doubtful dog. It just does. I mean, Russell Wilson having a career-worst six-game losing streak is not a coincidence. He's not the same quarterback because he doesn't have the same movement skills. He doesn't have the same ability to be able to extend it down and get outside of the pocket. And where do we see Russell Wilson make his big plays throughout the course of his career? On second reaction opportunities. Sean Payton doesn't value that in his offense. Now, a lot of people will push back and say he hasn't had a quarterback that can do that. He had Drew Brees. I will say this. Sean wants the offense to operate through timing and being on schedule. Two things that we haven't seen from Russell Wilson. So I don't know how that's going to mesh. The Denver Broncos brass is betting big that Sean Payton can bring out the best in Russell Wilson. I'm just skeptical. And to make matters worse, that is a god-awful contract that the Broncos organization is saddled with. They can't get out of that deal until after 2024. Oh, Can Matt Nagy uh, have a positive – wait a minute, let me, reflect, let me rephrase, rephrase this. If I could speak, jeez. Yeah. Apparently my mouth is already on holiday weekend. Canty, Matt Nagy's back in Kansas City. Can he successfully replace Eric Bieniemy? 
Yeah, I mean, what we've seen under Andy Reid with Pat Mahomes, it doesn't matter who the coordinator is. It yeah. just doesn't. Okay. It just doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. They're going to host the AFC Championship game. They're going to win 12-plus games. Uh, I mean, Kansas City is, you know, reload, retool, and let's keep it moving. The question was longer than the answer. Yeah. <laughs> what will Herbert and the Chargers offense look like with Kellen Moore? Well, listen, Kellen Moore in three of the last four seasons has had a top six scoring offense and during that same span has had the number one total offense twice. So I do think that this offense will be more dynamic. I love the addition of Quentin Johnston. So now you have him and Mike Williams on the outside. You can allow Keenan Allen to do what he does best, which is work the middle of the field from the slot. They've got a lot of weapons for Justin Herbert to distribute the ball to. They worked out the contract dispute with Austin Eckler. They've got some offensive linemen coming back healthy. So I like what the Chargers are going to be. No doubt they're going to try to bring a little more physicality and a little more variety in their run game to take pressure off of Justin Herbert. But I do think we're in store to see the best version of Justin Herbert that we've seen in the NFL in 2023. And we have saved the best for last. I am fascinated by Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin's offense. So what is that going to look like this year? Basketball on grass. They're going to spray the ball all over the yard. And, and I get that people are used to seeing Baltimore line up in two and three tight end sets. I think they're going to open up the set. I can see a world where they're going with 11 personnel an awful lot, and you're talking about having Mark Andrews split out as a tight end, similar to what we saw from Brock Bowers at Georgia the last couple of years, using Mark Andrews in that role because he has those type of receiver skills, but then having Zay Flowers out there, having Odell Beckham Jr. out there, Rashad Baton, Dever DuVernay, Nelson Aguilar, there are a lot of weapons that he can get the ball to. They want to create space for those guys so they can get run after catch. Again, make things a little bit easier for Lamar Jackson in the you, passing game. You can understand why he's talking about running less all of a sudden when you have all of those weapons to work with now. And they can do a lot of the running. They certainly can. Up next, are the Celtics making the right move by keeping their head coach? We discuss in moments. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.